What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. We've made it to episode 100. And if this is something that you've been following along with since the beginning or close to the beginning, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I owe you so much. It's really, really cool to see this continue to grow and to know that some of you have been those first few listeners that I saw early on over two years ago. So kudos to you for sticking with it. And thank you for continuing to share it with your friends. And if you are just finding the podcast today or, you know, just recently, thank you. I appreciate you as well. And I promise 100 is just the beginning. This is something that I plan on doing for a while. And so it's going to take each and every one of you to continue to support it for that to happen. Share it with your friends, subscribe on whatever platform it is that you listen to this on and do me a big favor, head to the YouTube channel that we created and subscribe on the YouTube channel, watch the videos, share them. It's the very best way that you can support the podcast. I appreciate it a ton. And I'm sure the people that you send stuff to appreciate it as well. For episode 100, I did not want to disappoint. I was really, really up in the air about who I should have on, who I should even ask, if I should even have a guest at all. But one name kept coming back over and over in my head. And I knew it was just the person that I needed to reach out to and ask. So I did. And of course, he was gracious enough to come on the show. He's done it twice before. And I quite honestly owe this guy a lot over the last couple of years. He didn't know it, but he's been a huge inspiration for me, a giant motivator, a thought-provoking voice in my head at times, and someone who I know I get regular asks about, like, hey, when are you having him back on the podcast? So it made perfect sense, and uh, I'm really glad that I was able to get him on here for episode 100. Please give it up for my friend, Eben Britton. First off, I got to tell you, I've been thinking for like a month and a half about episode 100. <laughs> and I've gone back and forth, like maybe I'm not even going to have a guest. Maybe, maybe I just need to do a solo podcast and kind of just reflect back on the other 99 episodes. But it just didn't seem right. It's like, man, as, as cool as that would be, I want to have that back and forth. I want to have that full journey of, of what this should be and why I do this. And man, there's nobody that I think about more when I think of those conversations than you. And uh, I appreciate you being flexible and coming on here and making it happen because I know I get weekly and sometimes multiple times daily comments about Eben Britain and how do you know Eben and do you listen to the Eben flow? And man, if we can touch some people with this, great, but I just wanted to have a badass conversation for 100 and uh, you're, <laughs> you are the person that makes that happen. So thank you so much. Oh, dude. Thank you. What an honor. I'm so grateful. You're catching me on a good day. You're catching me on a much better day than the last 48 <clears throat> hours. I can tell you that it's funny how perspective in such a short amount of time can change it. And mm. I had something written on my notepad here that I wanted to get to later, but with you making that comment, I think it maybe is a good thing to start with. Yeah. 
it's something I hear you say often. I've seen you post some videos over the course of the years that I've followed you. You may have even brought it up on a past episode, uh, but it's that we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. <laughs> it's been so relevant in my life and it frustrates me because I now am very critical of myself when I am having a bad day or when even things that seem out of my control are affecting me because I'm like, no, man, this is you. This is all in what you make of it. Mm. If you're mad. That's because, you know, you're, you're looking at this from a different view than you need to be. So maybe we start there. That's a perfect place to start. I mean, I must've been channeling you dude. Cause all day this, this concept has been, I've been refining this concept and really drilling down into this really drilling down into this concept of we don't see the world as it is we see the world as we are and i have been in the midst of some profound life transitions and revelations <clears throat> and uh some people who have really been following my my shit uh they will know that i am going through a divorce currently and um it's miraculous you know it's been miraculous because my ex-wife and I are moving through it with so much love and compassion. And like last night had a family dinner Took my daughter and my, my ex-wife to dinner and we had a beautiful family dinner. It was beautiful. And it was just like love and laughter. And it was amazing. The complete antithesis to my childhood, because my parents got divorced when I was seven and it was chaos and death and darkness and basically set the stage for <laughs> everything whole I, my whole life. <laughs> yeah. I'm right there with you, brother. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and yeah. And I think that that story is very common, you know? Um, and to cut to the crux of where I'm at right now, I've really been examining and not examining so much, observing is a better word, because I feel like examining denotes, has connotations of some sort of struggle, narrow focus. You're so in it that it's difficult to see outside the parameters of the examination, but just observing. And observing, what are my beliefs? What are my beliefs? Because our life is only as good as we allow ourselves to believe it to be. Whatever we believe is true, whatever we believe is right, whatever we believe about who we are, what we are, the role we play, the actions we have to take, the things we have to do, our relationship with money, 
our relationship to other people, our relationship to ourselves. It's all about our beliefs. And this belief structure that is housed in our subconscious. And every thought that we think that started occurring to me this morning, just like just came up and started to occur to me, every thought that we think arises out of this belief structure. And you see it, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what I got to do, what I better do, better do that. The people you think about, it's because you believe you have some connection, some responsibility, some, some thing, some attachment to the things. That's why we think our thoughts, they arise out of this fucking belief structure. And And so that creates this perception of what our life is or what we think it is. And think about this. I'm going to throw in some nuances as we go because I've been sort of unpacking this today. Hmm. Um, literally today. I mean, this has, been, this has been developing, as you said, you know, it's something I talk about a lot. But I was talking to somebody a few days ago. And it occurred to me that, you know, we get stuck. And we think that it's all fucked. Or it's no good, or we failed when the thing unfolds itself in a way that is outside of our expectations of what we hoped and thought it would be or what it was supposed to be like you know, we're working really hard at this thing. And we have this perceived outcome because it can only be that way. Because of our ego, our identity, ego edging God out, we're edging God out and we're deciding the end result. Meanwhile, negating the infinite possibilities that can occur. As the result of our hard work going back to the Bhagavad Gita, we have a right to our work, but no right to the fruits of our labor, because we have no idea. You have no idea. The thing that you thought was a failure, not only will that lead to your future successes, but it may also be the reason that you take this turn and go down this road towards in closer proximity towards your destiny path, then say you succeeded and were fed success and you were fed triumph on this thing that is a divergence from your truth in actuality. I mean, that's how you see these people that are so wildly successful in whatever, you know, I mean, probably you can probably relate to this even in a lot of ways with football, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you see people that on the outside, you know, a common person is looking at them thinking you have absolutely everything you should be wildly happy. If I had everything that Eben had, or if I had everything that, you know, Brad Pitt or who, you know, throw in the name, right. It's like, and yet you see these people, you know, committing suicide. Yeah. Blowing through their money, acting erratic. And to your point, they're lost. There's drag. Right. And yeah. I wonder too, with relationships, you know, you mentioned the word relationship. How much inner turmoil 
do we have when those inner principles that we want to have, and, and maybe they're newfound, right? Maybe it's something that we've uncovered now don't align with friends, family, you know, mm -hmm. loved ones, people, um, you know, significant others, business partners. And that's, I mean, I, I've kind of gone through that recently myself with, you know, some close friends, business partners, and, you know, people mm. who I probably ignored behavior. I know I ignored behavior that did it when you're 24 and you don't really quite have those principles set in stone yet. You allow yourself to be okay with it. And then 10 years goes by, right? And, yeah. you know, you've matured as a man. You've had a couple of conversations with Evan Britton on the podcast. And, <laughs> you know, I've had two children. And I'm like, wow, I don't Big agree teachers. with teachers. Yeah. Fuck. Children. Yeah, they are. You know, and I'm just maybe a little different place in my life now where every little movement I make, every little thing that I do, I know is a flap of a wing of a butterfly in the universe. And I don't know how it's going to affect things. Maybe not immediate, maybe it will be immediate, but it's going to affect my life in some way, shape or form. And I'm working very hard to try to make sure that every thing I do has intent and purpose. And I'm finding myself unwinding a lot of these relationships. And I keep coming back to this thought, which is, Sometimes you don't realize how toxic something is until you're completely out of it. For me, it was that business relationship that just, you know, encompassed my life in a lot of ways. And I think about how much unhappiness I had and where did mm. that exponentially go and decisions that I made <clears throat> and how can I change that going forward by just putting a focus on those little things, the things that I didn't think added up, right? But that one day was the final drop in a cup that overflowed all over the fucking table, you know, got my clothes wet. The, it just, and it's how it happens. Right. And yeah, that's, I think you see that now more than ever with so much more water getting thrown in the cup, you know, this reality that we're all living in, you mm -hmm. see it every way you turn. Yeah. It muddies the water of yourself, of your relationship with yourself all of that external stuff and i love what you said and I'll, i i want to i want to come back around to what you said so if you're 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 going down the life path <clears throat> and you are things are unfolding as they do and happening and moving and evolving and growing and taking shape and falling apart and all the things are happening. And inevitably everything comes to an end or comes to fruition, fruition, fruit, the fruits of the labor, it comes to fruition, the thing happens that you've been working towards, whether you knew it or not. And maybe it happens the way you thought it would or it doesn't part of your own practice inevitably becomes becoming more and more flexible and able to move and shift and change direction and go this way when that thing happens hey you know wasn't really meant to be or wow that was a great success that's even harder to take the take the new direction or to like move on and do something new 
But I keep coming back to this thing, man. Life is a fucking ocean. We're in this ocean and we're led to believe it's a one lane highway going a thousand miles an hour towards the horizon. But it's really a fucking ocean because you can get off at any point. You have this thing, it's called choice. And what you're talking about, Justin, is living from the place of total integrity of self where every action and decision you make is in direct alignment with your heart's truth or your energetic integrity, however you want to call it, your soul's integrity. And you know when you're out, you find yourself at that thing, that event, in the relationship, in the business thing, and you're going, fuck, what am I doing here? Fuck, I'm here. Fuck. How did I do this again? I did it again. I just let it happen. I ended up here. I don't want to be here. I'm miserable. And we know the answer. But because of our cultural conditioning, we go, ah, you know, it's okay. We'll work through it. We'll get there. Yeah, I ignored all those red flags that have been happening for years and years and weeks and weeks and all the stuff, all the things that just rubbed me the wrong way. I let them go. Yeah, yeah. Even though I knew the answer inside of me the whole time, I knew the answer. But I just ignored it. And now here I am and my heart's fucking screaming at me. My soul is screaming at me to get the fuck out of here. But now I'm so invested. Oh my God, I can't go anywhere. And then it becomes Herculean, a Herculean effort to get yourself to extrapolate yourself from that situation. So how do we reprogram this belief system that's housed in our subconscious, which affects every action and decision and thought that we have word that we speak without us even realizing it because it's our programming. Now, the one of the only ways that I've found, because you can only change it when you're, you're confronted by it. You can't change it because you can't see it when you can't see it. So when you're triggered or when you're challenged or when you're uncomfortable, that is you diving down into your subconscious belief matrix and it being revealed to you what it is, what you actually believe about what's true in the world. And then you have an opportunity to acknowledge that thing, that belief, recognize it as being true or not, and then being able to dissolve it and rewrite the program little by little. And the only way to do that is to walk through the fire with it, because you don't, you don't, you don't come into contact with the belief matrix when you're feeling really comfortable and good. So the only way is to find yourself in that situation where you go, yeah, this is wrong. This is fucked up. This is out of alignment of my soul integrity with what I'm supposed to be doing and spending my time on. It's about being authentic, right? I mean, <sighs> man, that's all. I mean, that's all for me. Like that's all that life is about. 
just clearing away the shit one thing at a time mm -hmm. clearing it out cleansing this this prism that i view the world through that i perceive the world through clearing it out polishing the crystal to get to the place where i'm just me whatever that is i'm just this thing emanating into the world whatever the fuck that is you know mm -hmm. i think it's so important to have yourself surrounded with people that have differing opinions that see the world different than you but then there's other times where i'm like man there's a balancing act there because you really are the company that you keep yeah in both you know mind body and in spirit right so i think there's been that challenge especially uh -huh. when you're trying to and that to me maybe is where sometimes i even struggle with the authentic aspect because i don't want to just surround myself with that same group of people um and so then when you start to maybe go outside of what is your true authentic self to ensure that you're getting that outside feedback, you know, it tempts you in. It's mm. like, Hey, you know, be a little bit, you know, you, you gotta maybe be this way, or you gotta dress a little bit this way, or you gotta show <laughs> this reality. That's not really the reality. And uh, I mean, it always is very clear that w when you're the most authentic, that's when there's the most, benefit there's the most value to what you're doing but um, that's that's been a tough one sometimes you know i totally resonate with what you're saying and what i find what i what i continue to find is anchoring down into what I call my soul tribe. I don't really know how else to say it. But it's that community of people that you are just on the same frequency. You're on the same vibrational level. You view the world through a very similar lens. And that doesn't mean you're all just validating each other's nonsense. But your values, your value system is in alignment. Not to interrupt you, but you, you're like literally enlightening me on something right now. And it's, it's, it's finding those people that have the similar to yourself, similar to myself that, that aren't yeah. tied into that one mindset, but that share the, the ability to kind of look across all of them. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. And that takes some time, man. I literally feel like I just, I have just come into my soul tribe. I've just come into this group of people who I, I resonate on the same vibrational frequency as them. And I don't, it doesn't really mean that I agree with every single thought and idea that they have. Honestly, I'm honest. I'm in this place too, where Justin, you know how this is. We've been doing the podcasting game for a long time and we, we have been very interested in holistic medicine, cannabis, plant medicine, which for me 
I'll speak for myself, but I feel like you have done a, you've had a similar path where that veers into the biohacking or the optimization of your physical, mental, emotional life through various practices where the science was really important. When I fast, what happens? What are all the chemical occurrences, the production of BDNF, the triggering of autophagy, all the good stuff so that our mind can be validated in what it's doing, you know? And we go through this whole thing. Like for me, it's been, there's been so much of that over the last, fuck, I mean, seven years, eight years of, of doing this dance and, and studying and learning and, and using my life as an experiment to make myself the cleanest, most powerful vehicle for God's will to move through that I possibly can. But I've gotten to this place where I li- I, I don't care. I don't care about the, I don't need the scientific backing anymore. I'm just in this mode. How the fuck do I feel? Do I feel at my best? I don't need any further validation. I just don't need it. I don't care. I was at this event and it was great. It was, it was this incredible event in the psychedelics realm. It was a dinner and people were throwing out stats and all the cool stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. The stats. And then it reminded me, I was about how five years ago I was so interested in the stats and the validation and the scientific backing to prove all the shit that I'm feeling. And I just don't need it anymore. I don't care. Yes. I love ice tubs. Yes. I love yoga, breath work, meditation. It's all just what I do. I'm not, I don't need you to tell me what the fuck it does for my, you know, hormone function or my immune system. I know because my body is the result. People come to me, they say, Eb, how the fuck are you so healthy? Eb, how the fuck do you have abs? I tell you what, it's not because I do fucking sit-ups all day. It's not. It has nothing to do with that. I literally never do ab work. Mm-hmm. You know? I lift weights. I do yoga. My food is so dialed in because there is no choice. I don't eat the shit. Because for me, when I eat too much wheat, processed carbs, gluten, shitty processed sugar, candy, all of that stuff, I'm thrown into a black depression, my body hurts, and I don't want to get out of bed. I don't have time for that. I just don't have time for it anymore. Well, and when you, when you don't see the world as it is, and you see it as you are, that type <laughs> of stuff is so important, right? And it's exactly, dude, how can we how can we have a clear mental and emotional experience of our life if we don't have a clear physical experience of our life? It's impossible. It's impossible. We just can't, can't do it, you know? And going back to that thing, dude, you know, the fucking answer, you know, the answer, but your mind likes to come in because it's been conditioned and corrupted by years and years of, of shit from people, authority figures, family members, parents, school system, news, media, 
everybody you've ever been around in your entire life who's told you what's possible, what you can and can't do. You're conditioned by it. And so you believe life is a certain way. And when you make decisions that go against your inner knowing, which we all have, but we've been conditioned out of paying attention to it. Have you read the book Blink? I haven't. Definitely something I should read. I'll give you the cliff notes in two minutes, and then you can decide if you want to read it. (laughs) I'm not a fan of Malcolm Gladwell. I'll say that. But this book, one of the most important books I've ever read, because he goes in there and he gives you this partially scientifically validated truth about inner knowing and how your intuition and he goes through all these things. It's, it's, your ner- it's your nervous system and your subconscious mind and your brain is collecting all of this infinite data points in the blink of an eye and it calculates it to the correct answers. So put it that way, put it scientifically. If you don't like intuition or inner knowing or instinct or gut, whatever it is, that's fine. The truth of the matter is there is an inner knowing that happens long before your mind comes to the realization of what's true and what's real. And he takes this example. There's myriad examples throughout the book, but one of the most compelling was back in the late eighties, early nineties, I might be a decade off. So it might be the late nineties. This statue came from Italy and the Getty bought it or they were going to buy it. And before they bought it, they were doing all these tests on it. They had all these experts come in and look at it. And it was said that it was from this particular time period, very rare, very beautiful statue. And all the paperwork checked out. It's, It's from this time. It's from this place. It was done by this artist. The guy who's who's offering it to the Getty was selling it to them for like 25 to 40 million dollars or something. They had every expert in the world come and look at this thing. Every single expert would look at it, just take a glance at it and they'd go, something's off. Something wrong. Just doesn't feel right. A handful of them even said, it gives me a queasy feeling in my gut when I look at it. There's something wrong with it. I know all the, all the paperwork looks good and it says it's from here and I know, and I get it and I see it. There's just something wrong with it. So finally they did these samples and they realized that it was a forgery, but it came from this quarry that did exist during that time. So that's why the time kind of made sense, but it was just a guy got a block of stone like 20 years earlier and did this thing, this incredible statue. And it was a forgery at the end. But the experts knew it right away. And it took them, they had it in, they had it on uh, whatever you call it, on layaway or they were holding on to it and doing all the tests. Assignment type thing? Assignment, yeah, before finalizing the purchase. And all the experts were right. And they couldn't, 
They couldn't tell what it was, but they just knew there was something off about it. And you think about every time in your life, think about every experience you've ever had in your life, whether it was a job or a relationship, a friendship, a situation, whatever it was, and you knew it right away, you knew it was fucking wrong, or you knew it was right. But your mind, it wasn't adding up in your mind. It looked really good on paper. It was really looked really fun and perfect. And you just had to jump in. Or it didn't, you knew it was right, but it didn't look sexy enough. It didn't look good enough. And you didn't go and do it. And then that thing became whatever it was like, you know, super exciting, successful entity project, etc. And that's my whole thing, man. It's like, get clean, get clear. You know, you are the answer, dude. We go so far the fuck out. We search the ends of the world for the answers. And literally, it's just right here. All we got to do is tune in, get clean, tune in. Tune into yourself, man. You're fucking, you are the universe packaged up in this body, this perfect, magnificent physical manifestation. You're perfect from the cell all the way out. You're so perfect and you've got everything you need inside of you. What else do we have to say, bro? You know? <laughs> I did catch you on a good day. You did, man. What do you but this about? idea, this is uh this is some mapacho. This is Peruvian tobacco. Okay. This is what the shamans smoke down there. It's very grounding, very clearing. I've been doing a lot of tobacco, indigenous tobacco from the Amazon. Really? Just clears out all the shit, man. Keeps it clear. Keeps the vessel clean and clear. I was just talking to a mutual friend of ours. I actually just had him on the podcast, uh, Josh. We were I love Josh. <laughs> we spent a, a, quite a while talking about his trips down to the Amazon with uh, Nunez and all the documentation that he's doing on the Punjinawa tribe. Yeah, wow. that's amazing, dude salt of the earth guy though my god i love totally him. totally i saw him for the first time in a long time like a uh a month ago at this event it was great it was great to see him he looks good he looks really like he's really anchored down i love that dude yeah yeah that was a conversation that's it's kind of been the culmination of a number of these and you know this this one's been you're making me think. What are you thinking about? For me, it's about giving up the control. I've got to learn to kind of surrender, so to speak, to all of it. I think at the end of the day, um, and I think a lot of people maybe struggle with this, that there's yeah. all these variables, right? All these things that drive us in one direction or the other that, uh, you know, make us feel like we're having a good day or a bad day, or that this relationship's a positive one or a negative one. And I'm, I'm starting to realize that as I try to control each and every one of these things, it's almost, it's a, it's exhausting, right? It's, and it's not possible, but it's also, I think 
if you can understand that there are a handful of things that control all things and mm. that you don't need to go and try to control every little individual situation, but to yourself kind of clear, clear the mind, right? Find out mm. who the true authentic self is or what your true principles are. And when you can learn that those three or four or five, you know, or maybe I'm, you know, kind of shrinking it down to simplify it too much, but there's way less things that you need to control to actually have the outcome that you desire and that you'll never get that outcome trying to control everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. Control is a hard thing, you know, because we're not in control of shit, really, you know. It's profound, actually, because <laughs> we're not. Do you beat your heart or grow your hair? I mean, we really believe that we think these thoughts. I don't know where they come from, dude. I don't know where they come from. But it occurred to me this morning, they arise out of this house of beliefs that we've built. And that only lives in our subconscious because we're not walking around going, I believe this. So this, I believe this. It's just how your it colors your perception in this way. Going back to how we started this pod. And because here's a, here's a really simple one that's just run rampant through Western culture, this victimized, this victimhood belief. If you're walking around and you believe that you are a victim of other people, of your circumstances, of the world around you, you will perpetually find yourself in situations where you're the victim. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It's a tough one to swallow. And the truth of the matter is, until you take accountability for your thoughts, I was talking to Sean Stevenson about this, until you take accountability for your thoughts, which arise out of your belief matrix, you're never going to break free. You'll never break free. You'll be a slave to your beliefs. You'll be a slave to your mind, your entire life. And what you believe is true. And what you believe is real. So it's a question to ask yourself, what do I believe? What do I allow myself to believe is true? Because it's all about what you allow yourself to believe. You know, then some smart ass will go, yeah, well, if I believed I could fly and then I jumped out of an airplane without a <laughs> fucking parachute, I'd be dead. Well, yeah, because you don't have fucking wings. You weren't born with wings like a bird and feathers. You're not aerodynamically built to fly. This is based on quantum physics. I'm not talking about the physical elements of your body. And you can only function in the realm of that and what's true and what's real there, given the laws of nature. But I'm talking about what you allow yourself to believe. If you believe that your life is this big, your life will always be this big. 
That's it. If you believe, like, there's nothing different between us and the fucking billionaires of the world. There's nothing different. It's about our perception. You read fucking all the, read all the manifestation books. That's just, these guys have made it their life. You think you wake up one morning and you do one visualization practice and then the whole world is supposed to open up and the sky's going to open up and bring you the fucking ranch out in Wyoming and the big car and the house and the horses and all the shit. Like, that's not how it works. When I was working towards playing in the NFL, I had this seed was planted in my mind's eye when I was like eight years old. And I believed I would make it to the NFL. There was no backup plan. I didn't even get to play football until I was 13. And I was my freshman year of high school. But when I stepped foot on that field, how I carried myself, how I lived my life, I lived as if I was going to play in the NFL tomorrow. I lived with that. And that took, that was a straight shot because I went from high school to college to the NFL. Yes, I was gifted with a big, beautiful body, athletic, strong. I was gifted with that. That was a gift. But other than that, I had to put the shit to work. There's a lot of big guys out there who are fucking not doing anything with themselves. Plenty of those come across them. Even some of them get to the NFL. And you're like, dude, how are you such a freak? Yet you can't do anything on the field on Sundays. And it's about what you believe and how you carry yourself. You live your life in the vibration and the feeling sensation of what you want. Live it that way. You even fake it till you make it. If that works for you. And that doesn't mean that you see part of the nuance of this is then your ego comes in and goes, yeah, well, I'm a fucking king. I'm royalty. I'm this. I'm that. And you walk around and you, you hold that identity. It's not that. Because that's the ego and the mind. The universe functions on the emotional plane. There's the mental, excuse me, there's the spiritual plane, the emotional plane, the mental plane, and the physical plane. And the universe functions on the emotional plane. The emotional plane is your subconscious. That's where that house of beliefs resides in your subconscious, which is on the emotional plane. And that's all programmed before you even realize what's going on throughout your childhood. That's programmed who you are, what you can and can't do, what's possible, what's impossible. That's all pre-programmed. So then you come to the place where your life isn't working for you anymore. So now you have to go through the fire of reprogramming your subconscious belief system. And you reprogram it through the will of the mind and activating the body in the physical plane. So you change your actions on the physical level. That's why your body, sports, getting into action is such a powerful way to change your circumstances. Because you rewrite the program. If you have trouble with finances, that's the simplest one to kind of articulate this point because you have this emotional plane belief 
of scarcity, call it. Mm. Never having enough money, never being able to pay bills. You're terrified of paying bills. You're terrified of making money for various reasons because then you're vulnerable to X, Y, and Z, people around you, all sorts of things. And then one day you realize that and you start to reprogram your beliefs around money. How? You go and you open up a bank account. You go and you set up an LLC and start your business entity. You start to make deposits into that bank account. It's little by little. You start to pay your bills. You get your financial world in order. And then you set this foundation for abundance and prosperity to come in. It can't come in if you believe it's shit. If you believe it's really small. If your container's like this, you just can't do it. You'll never do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be willing to receive it absolutely man does that make sense though oh a thousand percent yeah no without a doubt it's um and it's got me thinking because i've i think a challenge because i've i've kind of crossed over that mindset of what what do i believe i'm I'm pretty sure i obviously i believe that i don't know everything but i believe right now it's most important to be as open-minded and just try to eliminate all of the nonsense garbage from my life, the things that weren't really giving me positivity, the things that were giving me a lot of stress. Um, Mm. And those things all create a response, right? Mm. They, they make you who you are. They lean into your personality, right? You, I, I'm certainly, I have a propensity to be kind of a cold closed off. I can kind of be a jerk if I'm, you know, being honest that when I have a bad day, I'm, I'm not the, probably the most friendly person to be around. And, and, you know, I find that when I was making these transitions, sometimes my ability to recognize my past behavior and change it way outpaced my ability to um, deal with maybe people's past representation of myself. I'm not, maybe that's not, it's like you're kind of tied to your past of Mm. who you are, how you responded. And, Mm. you know, I would find myself really trying to turn over a new leaf being like, okay, here's, this is how I really want to approach situations like this. And real, and, and that's kind of to come full circle. Why I, you know, I mentioned this relationship, this business relationship that I had, very close friend, somebody that I've been partners with through a number of things. And he's, brought a lot of brought a lot of good things to my life Mm. but I started to change how I was and I was then all of a sudden the bad guy right I Mm. was the you know there was something wrong with me and and it, it made me wonder like maybe maybe I maybe I'm wrong you know maybe maybe this new principle maybe these new things that I'm thinking Maybe that's not the, the right way and I'll, I'll go back. And so there's that internal mm. tug of war. And uh, that's uh, the battle. <laughs> oh man, it is, right? You know, for me, it's like how, uh, go hit a joint and maybe for other people, that's like the worst thing. It just makes those thoughts even go crazier, but it's like, I need to slow this down. And then I can, I can settle back in, you know, and I'll, mm. I'll settle in and I'll, I'll try to think, I'll try to meditate. I'll try to, you know, breathe. You you've given me a tip a while ago about breathe, you know, breathe through mm. your nose, you know, turn off that parasympathetic nervous system. 
the sympathetic or the symp- i always get it backwards yeah yeah i know me too it takes a long time <laughs> to memorize <laughs> but it is it's and at the end of the day as hectic as it all sounds it's it's beautiful in its own sense the process you know totally dude what's more fun than this fuck what's more fun than life nothing really that's the thing man you know and and to cut through all of that all you have to do is do what feels right what feels right fuck all the mind shit that's all the mind oh god i can't i can't act this way with them because i i don't know what it is i i don't i i can't really tell you because my whole life is just this (laughs) this radical transformation process constantly and just incinerating the shit the old ideas the old costumes the old masks just incinerating all the shit burn it get rid of it cleanse this fucking crystal clean it just clean it and purify it and clarify it and it's interesting because with my family use them as an example of people who have known me my whole life and have seen me through all sorts of stages. What I will say is that when you set the tone of authenticity and truth, that's your identity. That becomes your identity. And people go, oh, well, I mean, Eb's just going to do what feels right to him. I can't really expect Eb to do X, Y, or Z. You ask me to fold the towels, I'll fold the towels. Uh-huh. I'll do the dishes. I'll take the garbage out. I'll walk the dog. You know, I'll be kind and loving. But outside of that, I'm just following this thing. And I've gotten better because I'm a people pleaser at my heart. I was programmed as a really good people pleaser. (laughs) I got to fuck him. I got to be responsible for everybody else's well-being. Got to make sure that I put myself at the back of the line. Say yes to everything, even when it fucking is going to fill me with resentment later. So I've, it's become part of my practice to say no and use discernment. I teach a lot of yoga classes a couple days ago. One of my, my fellow teachers, he said to me, Eb, can I swap classes with you? I'll teach your Wednesday at 11. You teach my Friday at 4 PM. And old me was like, yeah, dude, definitely. But that guy didn't show up. And I said, let me think about it. And I thought about it and I said, you know what, dude, I teach on Friday at 11. So that means I'm teaching a double on Friday. It's fucking hard. It's 105 degrees in the room. 
I'm probably going to take a class that morning too. So if we can figure something else out, that would be great because I don't really want to teach two classes, especially that are back to back kind of close to each other an 11 a.m. and then a 4 p.m. on Friday. That sounds too much for me. And what ended up happening is the studio owner flipped me with another teacher so that now I'm just teaching at 4 p.m. and somebody else is teaching my 11 a.m. on Friday. But that's like a super small example of all the day-to-day -day things because that happens. <laughs> How much does that happen? Every Somebody day. just calls you, shoots you a text. Hey, man, can you do this for me? Do that for me. You pick me up from the airport? Go take care of my kids go do this, you know, all kinds of stuff, all sorts of things, opportunities, everything is an opportunity to get super clear on this thing. Well, and the things that need you the most aren't asking for you either. That's a good one. Right. I mean, cause that's, it's funny you bring all this up because the fear of missing out in a lot of cases, you know, I really, mm. you know, I, I never want to miss out on something and I'm sure there's a trigger from my past that's a driver for that. And I, I, you know, I'm always in the search for what that might be. And it probably doesn't matter at the end of the day, but you know, the, you go down that road and you, you're doing everything for everybody. And then you look and you know, your two kids or your wife or your brother right. or your mom or your dad, they're like, Hey, you know, man, you're, you're running left and right for all these people. And we're here. And you, you know, those moments I feel horrible, you know, and that's, it's a real wake up call. And I think hearing what you're mm. saying right now, it is, I'm going to challenge myself coming out of this conversation to really be a little bit more assertive with that and, you know, own, own my time. Right. Because mm. I love that, dude. I love that. Own my time. And you're totally right. Cause the people that are closest to you, they start going, yo, dude, what the fuck? And then yourself, yourself, that's the real kicker. When yourself starts going, yo, dude, what the fuck? Where are you? And you realize when you're spending your time over there, you can't be spending your time here. That was mind-blowingly revolutionary for me to realize that. The things that you say yes to, it means you're saying no to other things. Can't be in two places at once. Somehow inside of me, for years, I would rationalize and legitimize, yeah, yeah, I'll do that and I'll still be able to be here, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And only after doing it a thousand times did I realize, oh, fuck, when I say yes, that I'm going to go and show up at this thing, that means I actually can't be here at this thing that I, I more, I am more wanting to be involved with. For me in this time, I've had this opportunity going through this massive life transition where I've gotten a, I get, I'm, I'm getting an opportunity every day to get super clear about what I want to spend my time on. I got time for my daughter, spend time with my daughter. I got time to teach yoga. Mm -hmm. 
outside of that, I'm just taking care of me, basically. I don't have much capacity for anything else. You know, I put my my podcast. My brother said to me the other day, he's like, Ev, we haven't done a podcast six months. I'm like, has it been six months? Jesus. And I'm feeling refreshed and re-energized and ready to start it back up again. But I've just needed to take a break because I was like, dude, I'm spreading myself so thin. I don't have any time to feel this shit and to just be with this thing. And the longer I stretch that out, and the longer I allow myself to turn away and hide in all the fucking bullshit I'm doing to validate my self-worth, all the phone calls and the meetings and the psychedelic treatment center over here and the thing over there, you know, I'm just, I'm prolonging this process. So why don't I just hunker down go into the cave, feel this shit, spend my time and energy exactly where it's supposed to be, which for me right now, it feels crystal clear. I want to spend time with my daughter. That's all I care about. And then I like to teach yoga because that's, I love teaching yoga. It fills me up. It gets me out of my head, working with people, being of service. So that's what I have time for. And that's been, that's been this, this last month, I've taken the month of June completely off, like nothing, doing nothing. And it's been the most productive month of my entire life. I think we all forget how, I mean, dude, social media and just everything that comes along with how fast paced life can get now, as opposed to how I know my parents live their lives. It's overwhelming and it can just outpace you faster than you could ever imagine before you even realize it yeah i was thinking about the last time we talked and you just seemed so much different last time than the first time that we had talked and you were actually you had just come back from montana uh-huh. you to montana for that trip was that the last time we talked that was the last time we talked i'm pretty sure jesus dude over a year ago yeah february i believe wow yeah yeah and i gotta thank you I'll just take this moment. I had listened to Mike Stud like in college and everything and kind of like lost track, you know, would see his stuff pop up on playlists. And then I'm like, wait a second, this guy's got a podcast. And I, I started to kind of put things together. And now, I mean, that whole scenario, the you never know podcast and Mike and his music and everything that he's been doing, that's been a huge part of my family's life. I mean, it's kind of crazy to say, but I can't get in the car without my two-year-old screaming. I want to listen to Mike. I want to I listen. I love to that, Mike. dude. You got you know, the Stevenson Ranch hat rocking. Oh, I had I to, I had to rep it on you for sure. <laughs> I love that. But in all seriousness, I mean, not necessarily that that trip, and maybe it was that trip, but. That I trip mean, was I a this, big trip. This has been a seven-year process for you, but like all things iterative, right? And I know coming off of hotboxing, you had a lot of soul searching then. So even through the process, there's a process. What was it at that time or that trip that really helped you get on this new pathway? And, and maybe it's changed even since then. Mm. Mm. The Montana trip? Mm-hmm. 